Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. In the Bay Area, I doubt there is a more beloved food than ramen. The beautiful steaming broth and springy noodles have an appeal that unites the workaday dinner and serious culinary production. But does our ramen lack something that the great shops of Japan have? Do we have the right ecosystem of food producers to create the ramen scene that this food-obsessed region deserves? In this edition of All You Can Eat with Luke Sai, our collaboration with the KQED food team, we consider the nature and craft of ramen. Instant lunch omakase. That's all coming up next after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Ramen. That's the show. This is our latest edition of All You Can Eat with Luke Sai. Luke Sai, of course, is our food editor here at KQED. Welcome back to the show, Luke. Thanks so much, Alexis. And first up this morning, as we consider ramen, we're joined by two emerging legends of the field. Clint Tan is founder and owner of Noodle in a Haystack in San Francisco's Richmond District. Welcome. Thank you. Great to be on. And we also have Shotaro Uchida, who is the founder and owner of Iseya Craft Noodle, which, according to sources, makes the best ramen noodles in the Bay Area. Welcome. Hello. Thank you. Thanks for joining. Thanks for um, Luke, many of us know and love ramen, but just to kind of you know make sure we lay the foundation here, what makes ramen ramen? Well... You know, I think um, I would just start by saying, you know, everybody sort of knows that guy, you know, especially here in the Bay Area who went to Japan like one time and never stops talking about how much better everything is over there. Um, and, you know, I used to be uh, someone who would like make fun of that guy. Uh, but then like, I'm promising I, to be that guy <laughs> when I finally get to go to Japan. <laughs> I'm promising I, now. I, I I visited Tokyo for the first time a few years ago, and like I literally became that guy. And I think with ramen in particular, you know, I, you, we're talking about soup and noodles, um, you know, very broadly speaking. Um, but in Japan, the experience of eating ramen is just so specific. Um, it's it's so unlike anything that you really see here in the U.S. <clears throat> you, you you stand in line um, for like an hour or two hours. You know, you're like in a random residential neighborhood or you're like outside of a train station. Um, you order and pay through a vending machine. 
Um, and then finally you get to the front, you go in and you sit down, like no one really talks to you. You're there for maybe like 10 minutes, um, 15 minutes, and then you're done. Um, but then like, meanwhile, you've paid like $8 for like the most amazing bowl of food <laughs> that you've ever had, like the most delicious broth, um, the springiest noodles. So I think... So many people who have visited Japan and have had that experience then come home um, and they try to recapture that feeling, but something always gets lost in mm. translation. And, and so that's why I've been so excited um, to sort of see a new crop of ramen restaurants opening recently in the Bay Area that um, that I think, you know, sort of come a lot closer um, mm. to capturing the vibrancy and the diversity of that scene. Even if, you know, I, I know we'll get to that, even if it's in the context of like a $100 tasting menu, which seems like it would be the opposite of that, um, but counterintuitively actually comes pretty close to capturing huh. it. So, you know, when I think about the ramen I've encountered over my life of eating stuff, I, I tend to think of this kind of rich, intense broth and maybe less delicate than some other soups that I've encountered in Japanese cuisine. Is that really my own limited encounters with ramen, or is that part of what ramen's supposed to be? I think that that is what a lot of people in the Bay Area associate with ramen, and I'm sure our other guests can speak to this a lot more. But I think um, there is a certain sameness. Um, for a long time, there has been a certain sameness to the ramen scene in the Bay Area where um, everyone's doing kind of like the same couple of styles um, of ramen. And in particular right now, uh, we can talk about this more later, uh, but there's a style called to tonkotsu uh, ramen, which is like this very rich, very porky um, style of ramen that for some reason or other, it seems like literally every ramen shop <laughs> in the Bay Area is doing that style. So I think if you eat ramen at restaurants, um, here in the Bay Area and and largely here in the U.S., I think you come away with the impression that like that's yeah. just what ramen is. Yeah. Um, but I think if you go to Japan or if you find, you know, sort of some of the more idiosyncratic restaurants that we even have in the Bay Area, you can see that there are a lot more different styles than that. Yeah. There are mu much lighter styles. There are st styles that are more acidic. There are styles that have no soup whatsoever. Um, like all, all kinds of things. Yeah. Clint Tan, founder and owner of Noodle in Haystack, when you are trying to introduce somebody to your ramen place after they have sort of, you know, gotten acculturated to a particular, you know, like say the uh, tonkotsu style. Yeah. How do you sort of prepare them for, okay, this is going to be a little bit different? Yeah, I mean, I think people in general or who, who are coming to seek us out are prepared to, to, to enjoy something a little different. Um, you know, just with the sticker shock of, of thinking it's like $100 for ramen, you know, like they're like, this can't be like, you know, normal right and i think people are a little bit more open-minded in that sense um and I, I i will say that there are a lot of people that are surprised when they sit down and they they have uh what we're serving because it's you know we we change it up all the time so you know we don't typically focus on a, on a single style and you know outright we'll we'll say maybe that this month we're going to be working on this style or these two styles and so there's a little bit of a you know a, sort of a a, a notice in advance that 
Mm-hmm. We're not going to be doing, you know, the every everyday samey, you know, tonkotsu pork bone broth that you see in, in um in the shops in in, in the city. So, um, Clint, give us an know. example of like a different style that you make that may be like wildly different from that. Um. So yeah, like the one that you know, I I like personally gravitate towards, and that we we were actually just doing last night is a a shio ramen style, and um, shio like it's very broad. You know, typically they when they label a ramen style, it's based off of the the tare or the 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 concentrated seasoning that flavors it, right? So you know, with a miso ramen, it would be a, a miso based sort of flavoring uh, seasoning, and so a shio ramen is sort of like like the redheaded stepchild of ramen, especially here, because like nobody cares anything about it. They're like, why would you want to have like ramen that tastes like salt? You know, like that's kind of the uh, the, the understanding for people here, because it's like that can't be good. That just sounds boring, right? But um, for me, it's like it. And you know, for people who've had like great shio ramen, it's the complete opposite. It's probably one of the most difficult styles to do, like because there's nothing really to hide behind. So really, you know, everything is sort of like out in the open you're you know all the all the intricacies of the soup your your dashis you know the the depth of flavor that you can sort of achieve with you know the the flavoring oils and, and the tare um and it's just so light it's so clean it's refined you know people who've had it they, they compare it to like matzo ball soup you know it's it's mm-hmm. comforting in that way pretty much the antithesis of, of a tonkotsu ramen you know it's like ramen that you eat that you actually feel good about so that's cool. Um, Shotaro, maybe you can walk us through kind of the intricacies of the ramen noodle. Like, what are the things people should really know about that? Yeah, so ramen noodle, uh, the same as a broth. Uh, in Japan, we have tons of styles of ramen noodle, actually. And uh, the, the, the difference here in the U.S. and versus Japan is like, uh, in Japan, there's tons of ramen factory, actually, like a noodle factory. Hmm. It's like a noodle factory actually using their own flowers and own kansi, own like a water ratio. So it's, it's it really depends on like a, a, what type of broth we, they use. But uh, um, that, that's also kind of a, a huge difference between here and then. That's interesting. And what would be your like your favorite ramen noodle style? I like a Tokyo uh, noodle style. Um, that's why I my my company also uh, trying to inspire from the Tokyo uh, modern Tokyo style mm-hmm. noodle. Kind of a straight, uh, unlike the uh, the usually people consider ramen noodle as a, like a wavy uh, yeah. yellow color. Uh, but that's kind of a very very considered a classic classic style on the on the you know in Tokyo. So we use the straight white noodle. That's almost uh, kind of a modern uh, noodle, what looks like mm. today. Yeah. You know, Luke, I know this is a bit of an impossible question, but is ramen more about the broth or more about the noodle? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think that is uh, a, a really difficult question. But I think, um, you know, speaking of Asaya Craft, you know, this is my first time speaking um, with Shitaro, so it's it's great to, to meet you and to have you on air. Um, but I think for most people, um, people probably think about the soup more um, because for a long time in the Bay Area, uh, there has been no or very little variety in terms of the noodle, you know, and this is this is sort of like what I found out was that Shataro's company, Isaiah Craft Noodle, is actually the connecting thread of all of these very good and very interesting ramen shops that have opened in the mm. past year. Um, which is that I remember the first time I went to Noodle in a Haystack, which is Clint's 
restaurant clint and his wife yoko um run it um which is a uh, like like no other ramen shop I've ever been to, you know, it's a tasting menu, uh, ramen experience, right? Multi-courses that sort of culminates in a bowl of ramen. Um, and I remember him raving about wh what a game changer it was since he started using DSA noodles, right? Then I found this like very interesting Hawaiian inspired ramen shop. The first time I ate there, lo and behold, they had a little sign on the table saying they had just switched to Asaya noodles. <laughs> And then I started Googling and then like basically every ramen shop that I've gone to that used those noodles um, turned out to be a hit. Um, and so I think, you know, like in the Bay Area, either like you're you're making your own noodles, which a handful of places are doing. And that's just kind of dependent on whether you have the, the proper equipment and the skill to do it. Um, or you're getting frozen noodles from like basically everyone's getting mm -hmm. it from the same factory, you know. And so uh, when Shataro started doing fresh noodles um, customized to like the particular broth that a shop is doing, you know, straight or thin uh, or wavy um, or uh, fat and thick, um, like whatever style, whatever style of noodle would work with the soup that they were doing, um, that really was a game changer, you know. So I think that now ever since having that experience, I'm much more con conscious of the, the noodles. So, I mean, obviously the answer is both, but I think in the Bay Area, people have not thought about the noodles other than a very superficial, like, oh yeah, those noodles are pretty chewy. Like that's pretty good, <laughs> right, but it wouldn't right. really go beyond that. We're talking about Bay Area ramen. What can make it great? What can make it meh? Where to find the best ramen. We're joined, of course, by Luke Sai, KQED's food editor, Clint Tan, who's founder and owner of Noodle in a Haystack, and Shotaro Ochida, who is the founder and owner of Isaya Craft Noodle. We would love to hear from you. What are your favorite ramen spots? Is there a, a bowl of ramen you once had that you still can't forget? Give us a call. The number is 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for more right after the break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall -wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall -wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum Ramen. That's what we're talking about. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're joined this morning by Luke Sai, of course. This is uh, another edition of All You Can Eat with Luke Sai. That's our uh, ode to the Bay Area's food scene. We're joined also by um, Clint Tan, who's founder and owner of Noodle in Haystack, and Shotaro Chida 
who is the founder and owner of Isaya Craft Noodle. Right before the break, we were talking about the sort of these noodles, Shotaro, that you have been producing that kind of are being used in some of the most interesting ramen shops in the Bay Area. Can you talk to us a little bit about what it has taken and why you decided to you know, create a craft noodle shop when I think in your day job, you're an engineer. Correct. Uh, yeah, I'm still doing the engineering job, the day to day job. But yeah, I started the, this this business uh, because um, I like ramen. And um, I moved to here like uh, probably like five years ago uh, from Tokyo. And then uh, I'm trying to find a ramen store in here, but I couldn't find a you know good <laughs> good enough restaurant here in the area. And then I found out that every ramen restaurant actually using like a frozen noodle uh, from a big company, uh, which is kind of so th- that's kind of a taste. Every every ramen shop is taste same, and that that's kind of thing is oh maybe this is kind of a missing in here, so that's why I kind of started this business. Mm. And you did a lot of experiments to try and figure out like because we, we're not in Japan, we don't have the supply chains uh, for all the different flours and things that would go into, you know, ramen noodles in Japan, you had to kind of recreate that here. So what did you, uh, what did you do to do that? Right. Um, so the first thing is like, uh, of course, it's obviously it's a flour. So uh, in Japan, uh, there's tons of flours that mixed for the ramen noodle. Um, but here, uh, majority of the flour is actually for the bread. And so the ratio of the uh, all those uh, protein and this uh, hydration is different. So I, I had to find I had to, I need to find a what works best. So I literally go to every like a grocery store and every like a flower company to uh, try it and sample and then see how see how works best for me. Mm. And what did you land on? Yeah. So uh, the first first thing I landed on was actually the uh, Italian flour uh, from Italy. Uh, they use for the uh, fresh pasta, and that ratio of the mixture is actually very similar to the ramen noodle. So that's the the primary flour uh, we using right now. Mm. Um, Clint, on the user of these noodles perspective, like what would you say makes them different? I mean. You know, obviously they're 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 fresh. They're they're made to order, um, but with a with a wonderful like ramen noodle, I think the the key is that, especially with his noodles, they're they're light, um, but they don't sacrifice on texture or flavor. You know, they're still incredibly springy, chewy, slippery, uh, depending on the ones that that you get. They hold up very well to soup. They don't break down, um, and you know, the the part of it is that with, with all of that and, you know, even enjoying it, you don't feel the weight behind the noodle, which is, I think, a, a testament to a great ramen noodle, in my opinion. So, yeah. Um, let's bring in our first caller. Obviously, people want to talk about ramen here. Uh, let's bring in Zogi in uh, San Carlos. Welcome. Hey, Zogi, can you hear us? I also think uh, out in Walnut Creek. I also had a quick question. Uh, what's your favorite appetite or side dish for ramen? Like something fried, like a karage, or you know something more vegetable, like like a mizuno salad or pickled cucumbers. Um, mm, that's a good one. Let's go. Uh, let's go around the horn here, starting with you, Luke. What do you think best, like sort of appetizer or side dish for for ramen? Thanks, Ogi. 
Um, I, I mean, I think like a little plate of cucumbers, uh, like they mentioned, uh, is great, especially if you're having a heavy ramen, um, just to lighten it. Um, but I know like a lot of ramen shops in Japan, and I've seen a few ramen shops in the U.S. do this. They do like so. If, so if you're really hungry, <laughs> right after you've had a bowl of noodles, a lot of places will also do like a small bowl of rice. Um, that's that's either topped with pork or something else. So like if you haven't had enough carbs with your noodle uh, and your <laughs> carbs really on carbs, yeah. Um, sometimes that that bowl of rice at the end really hits the spot as well. Yeah. What would you say, uh, Clint? Yeah, I think on, along those lines, I like my my rice. You know, typically it's just made with things that they have around the shop, ramen leftovers. But it's just you know, it, it, there's a, a nice energy to it. Um, but again, with the thicker soup style, they they have these like pickles, and, you know, and like takana, which are like mustard greens that are spicy, um, or like pickled cucumbers that are like pickled and like shiso, and those tend to be nice with the, the richer styles, I think. Yeah, Shitaro, if you were back in Tokyo. Would you get any appetizer side dishes along with it, or would you just go bowl of noodles and that's it? It's it's the 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 thing is uh, most of the Japanese restaurants actually don't have an appetizer, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's kind of a, a tough question. But I would go like, if they have something like a bamboo shoot, I, I would go that. Mm. Nice and, and light, yeah. Um, let's add uh, one more uh, voice to our conversation here. Kayoko Akabori is the founder and owner of Umami Mart. Welcome, Kayoko. Hi, thanks so much, Alexis, for having me. Yeah, I think I love, absolutely love your shop on Broadway. So thank you for- oh, thank you. Thanks for its existence. I appreciate it. Uh, so uh, one question for you. How have you seen the ramen scene change in the Bay Area? Have you kind of been been monitoring it over the years? Yeah, I've definitely, I grew up in the Bay Area and, you know, growing up, I think the first- <laughs> ramen restaurant i grew up in the south bay and i think the first one was a little one called katanaya and it was in downtown san jose mm -hmm. and it was definitely bringing in sort of the classic shoyu ramen with the curly noodles that shotaro was talking about a little bit more tokyo style with the bamboo shoots and that was definitely in the 80s um it's just changed so much over the years um kind of a mix of Japanese chains coming over here and opening the restaurants. And we're actually seeing more and more of that in the last couple of years um, where J Japanese companies have their sights set on LA and mm. San Francisco and opening restaurants here. And then of course, um, more kind of California style ramens that are being opened up by Clint and you know the ramen shop in Oakland mm -hmm. where it's they're making their own noodles in the ramen shop's case you know sourcing uh organic vegetables um using proteins locally making their own noodles and you know kind of adding Meyer lemon or adding mm -hmm. local ingredients to their ramen in order to make it more local uh so that's definitely you know, in the last 10 years have been happening more where uh, the California interpretation of ramen and sort of making it more restaurant style as well, you know, mm. and bringing in those appetizers like the caller was talking about and making it more like a, a dining affair rather just sort of an in and out experience. Yeah. You know, as it happens, I believe we have a former chef from Ramen Shop uh, on the line, Max in Oakland. Welcome to the show. 
Hey, how you guys doing? Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Yeah. What uh what do you want to tell us? Um so I actually really love the style skamen noodles, uh which we used to do at the ramen shop and um you know that's a style I'd really love to see kind of make its way back into the bay area. Um you know, I definitely agree with the callers about kind of the homogeneity of styles we've seen, but um you know, I I love a skamen noodle. I love the experience of eating it and um you know, it yeah, talk to me to about it, the style. You know, like, what what is the what is the style like? Um, so, skamen noodles. It's a, a longer, thicker noodle that's actually cooked and then chilled down and served cold, and then it's served with a pretty condensed. Um, you know, it can be a tonkotsu, a different type of broth that's it's dipped into this hot broth, and then you know, just a real big slurp. Mm, yeah. That sounds really good. I actually have had that guy from your shop. Um, thanks so much, uh, Max. I mean, how would you, um, Shitaro, how would you describe um, that making, like what would be different about making that particular kind of noodle? Uh, the basic, the noodle itself is very um, uh, simple. So flowers and water and the kansui. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's all about the ratio, like how, what ratio of the hydration, like what ratio of the, you know, kansui we're going to use. And also the how thickness, like how the thickness of the, the width of the how, which number of the cutter we use. So um, it's it looks the recipe itself is very simple, but it's a, there's a you know tons of <laughs> combinations. Right, right, yeah. right. Just the craft of it, right? Yeah. 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 Exactly. Um, Clint, I think I'm gonna uh, send this one to you. Um, not exactly as a challenge, but here it is. A listener writes, <laughs> I wanted to let you guys know that the best ramen shop in the Bay Area is Mencho Tokyo. Hands down, nothing else even comes close. I've taken countless friends and family there, all who are very picky when it comes to good food and especially ramen. They all agreed, Mencho Tokyo is the best ramen spot, arguably in the world. They specialize using a creamy, thick broth with thick, chewy noodles. It's apparently not traditional, but I know I can't get enough, and I myself have eaten there at least 50 times in the last wow. couple of years. Um, um, talk to me about, you know, if, if you know Mencho Tokyo, you could you know, describe what that's yeah. uh, like and, you know, how you, how you think about your shop in the context of, you know, these other places that are trying to do really like, I, I guess I want to call it craft ramen. Maybe that's a bad way of putting it, yeah. but craft ramen. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Mento, Mento is a great shop in in San Francisco. Uh, I think the the one thing that I just I like to clarify a lot with people is that it, it it is a it is a ramen shop, but it is kind of different than what makes, in my opinion, a great ramen shop, say in Japan. Um, and I think there's a difference between a, a ramen chain or a ramen group and an independent ramen shop. Hmm. And um, and, and I think that's the, the one point that, that um, I think a lot of people don't realize. And what I really, truly love about eating ramen in Japan is going to these, like, independent shops, like, literally run by the same person. He's there every day. They make everything from scratch themselves. It's like six, eight-seat counters. And they're constantly just refining their craft, making that single item it's it's like it's almost a religious experience in, in like the best way possible when it comes to like eating a bowl of noodles and i don't think there's anything that we can actually find here that recreates that in, in a way you know so when you're saying like best shop in the world i think i would say go visit japan you know um go look for some of these like the best shops that that, that you'll find in all these different neighborhoods and cities and and you'll see that i don't think there is a best shop. You know, that's really what makes 
ramen great. Like every shop that is doing it at the highest level is a great shop in its own way. Mm-hmm. And it's a great shop and or might be the best shop for somebody, you know, and mm-hmm. um just that variety I think is really what makes it special, you know? Um it's yeah. Clint, when you when you think about the craft, like what's you know one level deeper into what you mean there? Like, what is something that someone in one of these shops in Japan would do that would make the ramen just, like, that much better, but that, like, in, you know, in the U.S., we might just be like, well, you know, that's a lot of work, you know, or that's too much for the benefit or the change in the flavor in the soup. Like, give me an example of something that makes the, the that attention to detail. I mean, uh, it's, there's so many little facets, um, you know, I think uh, right now, you know, it's a lot of it is, you know, sourcing specific types of water. Um, that something that we do uh, with like, uh, you know, the way that that allows like the soup to extract, but also constantly sort of uh, tasting the soup throughout the process. You know, like it's for 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 a soup that might go for ten or fifteen hours. You know, it's it's something we also try to do is is tasting it at different levels, you know, and and watching it and babying it. Um, a lot of it is I don't think it's difficult, but it's very time consuming, and it's monotonous, and um, you have to really love it to do these little things. You know, it's it's like it's the most boring things in the world, like skimming fat off to, to make the perfect clarity in your soup. I mean, it's um, but I think the great thing about the craft is all the little things that you do they all add up mm-hmm. at the end and you get such a, a more cared for wonderful like end product um mm-hmm. and i mean there's a there's a lot more like like that i could get deeper into it with but i'm not sure you know, like, <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> well may, may, maybe so maybe so i look did you want to do you want to chime in there yeah, I mean, I just, I just wanted to, you know, we we've, we've sort of been talking around this, right? But I, I, I totally agree that what I love about ramen is how Id- idiosyncratic it can be, you know. And I think that's what's so great yeah. about it in Japan is how like each shop is just like the expression of like this one person's love of yeah. ramen and their own personal preferences. Um, and I, and we've been talking sort of around this, like, you know, in the Bay Area, everything's tonkotsu, 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 right? I mean, Mencho Tokyo is a great bowl of rum. It's tonkotsu, right? And so, um, yeah. it's, it's like, um, how do we get around that, you know? And, and I'd be curious what our other guests, um, have to say in terms of why it's so much harder to have that in- mm. idiosyncratic thing, you know, is it just, kind of the American restaurant industry and like mm-hmm. investors, like risk aversion, you know, where it's like, Oh, we found this one style that people like. So let's just like keep on doing it at, you know, um, and not do anything else. Like what, what would it take for the U S and the Bay area in specific to have that kind of varied and idiosyncratic mm-hmm. ramen scene? Keiko, what? Let me, oh, oh yeah, go ahead. Well, so, Definitely, I think if you were to just think about it like pasta and, you know, every time you go to your favorite Italian restaurant or you make it at home, you're, you know, you're not always making bolognese every week or, you know, you want to sometimes you feel like a vongole, you know, sometimes you feel like cacio e pepe. Sometimes you just feel like mac and cheese, you know, same with ramen. It's 
it's it's not just oh you know the same style i i you know one day it might you might feel like skimming some one day you might feel like miso ramen with butter and corn you know in in the hot summer days you might feel like cold ramen uh hiyashchuka um and you know there's a big trend right now for um aburasoba which uh just opened in san mateo which is a noodle uh, a soupless broth so um ramen and i think that if you start thinking about it like what do i feel like for this noodle dish instead of it being this every single time ramen has to be tonkotsu it would it would it, ma- it would make it more interesting and i think that mm. it's great that in the bay area you can get all sorts of different kinds of ramen all sorts of soups all kinds of different kinds of noodles you know you go to japan and they're it is quite strict about what kind of noodle you use for what kind of broth. So, and I think that, you know, they, they do sort of emulate that theory here too in, in the, in the Bay area where, you know, you're going to get a thin straight noodle with, you know, your tonkotsu broth. And then with your shoyu broth, you might get a more curly noodle. And I think that if you sort of kind of hone in on what kind of noodle you like or what kind of soup you like and and kind of go with what you feel like, that wouldn't really widen the scope of what you would want to eat at that moment. Kyoko, could you give us one, just one spot that might be like really surprising for people? Um, I always like to go to the South Bay one of my favorites, I have to say, is Santoka, and that's inside the Mitsua Market, and that's in San Jose, mm-hmm. and it's sort of my my favorite. It's been there for maybe almost twenty years, uh, and it's it's just a food court. It's not fancy at all. It's um, a Hokkaido. I think it's a Hokkaido restaurant um, that opened here in the in the in the Bay Area, and I think that there's one in LA as well, but. It's sort of a, a miso tonkotsu style hearty broth with um, chewy textured, a little bit curly noodles. Mm-hmm. You're going to get a slice of pork on there, bamboo shoots and green onion. Yeah. And I think that it's a good combination. And I think that when you when we were talking about earlier how... We got to come back to it. We're talking barium. We'll be right back uh, after a short break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. 
Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about Bay Area ramen, that hot steaming bowl of umami-laden broth, the springy, chewy noodles, the perfect slurp of comfort food. We're joined by Luke Sai, food editor, KQED Arts and Culture. This is another edition of our collaboration with Luke's team. It's called All You Can Eat. We're also joined by Clint Tan, founder and owner of Noodle in a Haystack, Shotaro Chida, founder and owner of Isaya Craft Noodle, and Kyoko Akabori, who is the founder and owner of Umami Mart. She's been blogging about ramen for quite some time. I didn't actually realize Umami Mart began as a blog, um, Kyoko. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> we would love to get more of your recommendations, your favorite spots or you know bowls of ramen that maybe people wouldn't um, expect, like a style or preparation that uh, is unusual. The number is 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. The email is forum at kqed.org, and you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or KQED Forum. There are some other recommendations I want to make sure we get to. Um, One listener writes... Hands down, I love that people are like, hands down the best in this show. <laughs> hands down the best Bay Area vegan ramen is Menya Shono Ramen in San Rafael. It's a chain from Japan. Rich broth and enoki mushroom steak subbing in for traditional pork is just a mind-blowing technique. They even use kale! Exclamation point. Uh, listener writes, I want to plug Newt's in, um, Ber- or Newt's? I don't know, in Bernal Heights, my daughter's absolute favorite restaurant and wonderful spicy miso ramen. Uh, and this restaurant is coming up is Shoki in Sacramento and Kimberly in Sacramento would like to discuss. Welcome, Kimberly. Oh, thank you. Uh, it's good to be on. Um, yeah, I wanted to give a shout out to Shoki in Sacramento. It's legendary and it's been closed for a couple of years and they're on the verge of reopening. And um, it's, you know, I'm no uh, ramen expert, but like some of the other callers, I've definitely had people that have had ramen in Japan say that they thought that shoki, you know, was just as good as some of the things that they had there, or if not better. Um, and they have a very wide variety of different types of broth. Um, and again, I don't know if any of that falls outside the norm of what's going on in the Bay Area or not. Um, I, I was a fan of the shoyu and the shio, and I knew a lot of people that liked the tantan men. They definitely had some spicy broths like that they had some creamy broth and i know that um that the owner just really just worked very very hard and on the broth and would just work on it for days and i'm just curious if you know obviously you could spend your whole life probably trying ramen in the bay area not run out of places but i'm wondering if any of the chefs or any um, buddy that you have on ever tried uh shoki it's s-h-o-k-i in yeah. Sacramento, and also just to tell them to be on the lookout for it if they haven't. If it reopens. Said it should yeah. Be yeah. That's cool. Hey, Kimberly, thank you so much. Um, Luke, I feel like we start with you here. I, I have not tried it, but thank you for putting it on my radar. And next time I'm in Sacramento, I will I will keep my eye out for it. Cool. Um, Clint Tan, um, I did want to ask you about a a, a complex question, which is the instant ramen phenomenon. Um, like, how do you, like, how do you put that in your sort of like pantheon? Is that just like a totally other food or do you consider it part of the same kind of family? I think it depends on what level of instant ramen we're talking about. Um, Cause there are in specifically in Japan, like different levels, you know um, it's, 
you know, we all grew up here eating like that, like super bright orange chicken cup noodle, you know, like at our high school, you know, we shoved, shoved the fork, the spork into it to, to hold the, the, the lid into place. And, you know, it was like one of those like meals that we like all woke up with eating, you know, and um, I think when you're thinking about that, it's, it's a perfectly serviceable, like, you know, um, food and peanut butter and jelly of the noodle world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it does, it does what it is and it it feeds a lot of people. It's super affordable. You know, college kids love it. I ate way that's, that was my introduction into ramen. You know, um, it, it brought me into the world and I didn't know about how different it could be until I was in Japan and I lived there. And then I saw the whole variety and the different spectrum of instant ramen over there. And again, in Asia also, you know, it's not just Japan. Like we tend to have, you know, a singular sort of vision of what it is. It's like Maruchan and, you know, Nisen cup noodles, right? Like the shrimp chicken flavor and beef. Right. And, um, but over there, like it's a craft in, in its own way. And so people always ask me like, what, what ramen, are you eating, you know, right now? And I'm like, I don't really eat ramen here. I'm, I'm kind of ordering, we order instant ramen, like the specialty ones from Japan and we get it shipped over here and it takes like months to get here, but we sort of explore, we've been exploring ramen through these and like, and there's just, it's, it's an infinite sort of like continual, like varietal. They just keep coming up with new, new versions, new flavors, better noodles, even like the, the more recent instant ramen in Japan, the noodles are probably as good as, you know, outside of like Shotaro's noodles, you know, better than any noodle that you can get here in America, you know, and it's, it comes from an instant ramen, you know, so huh. it's a... Uh, I don't know if this world. is... Um, Clint, I don't know if this is a loaded question or not, but have you tried the Momofuku um, instant ramen? I have not. Somebody <laughs> did come to our event and they said it was pretty tasty. Um, you know, but some of the other things that he was schlepping out wasn't, weren't as good. So, (laughs) um, let's bring in, uh, another caller. Let's go to, uh, Kayvon, um, in San Francisco. Welcome. Hello. Hey, Kayvon. Can you hear me? Yeah, sure can. Go ahead. So, uh, I would like to preface with this that I have a lot of friends that own restaurants and uh, I know how hard it is to run a restaurant uh, and keep the cost down for your uh, for your offerings uh, in Northern California especially. But ramen is a humble dish and I, I have had talks many times with my Japanese friends about uh, you know the, all the ramen shops that have been opening in the last three or four years and you know, the average board is about $17, $18. Uh, I almost crashed my car right now hearing about a $100 ramen tasting menu. So I come from Jonathan Gold School of Picking uh, 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 Restaurants. I want to ask Luke to suggest his favorite affordable value ramen shop anywhere in the Bay Area. Um. Thank you, uh, Kevon. I um, Luke, why don't we start here, and then Clint, you can talk a little bit about this too. Um. I mean, it, it is a loaded topic, right? And I feel like um, we've been through this discourse um, so many times. And and I I would just say 
that uh, I too appreciate uh, an inexpensive uh, bowl of ramen uh, serving that sort of like workmanlike function of like a, a working person's meal, you know, and so and so I do have an appreciation of that. Um, but I'm sure um, Clint <laughs> can speak to this um, more uh, more thoroughly than I can. But when you look at the cost of ingredients and labor that is going into like a properly prepared bowl of ramen, um, you know, like I, I think a lot of places, you know, probably could be charging double <laughs> what they're actually charging, you know, but it's just that the market won't support that. Um, and we can look at a lot of other cuisines um, where those sort of prices are much more acceptable. Um, you know, whether you're talking about Italian pasta or whether you're talking about uh, any number of like sort of Western cuisines. Um, but the amount of cost that goes into the ingredients um, and the amount of labor that goes into it um, doesn't even necessarily always approach what's going into um, a bowl of ramen. So so I think I would just be wary of um making that you know and i think and, and there's all sorts of reasons too uh that have to do with the market and the overhead and all of this why it costs so much more um in the u.s than it does in japan i don't know if clint wants to speak to that a little bit more yeah yeah i'd love to i mean we we probably need another radio show <laughs> to just talk about the, <laughs> the the details of and, and the and the physics of it. i mean i i think first off it's just you know, comparing like Japan to to the Bay Area, you know, is is something that we we shouldn't be doing. You know, because it's, I mean, I've lived there, you know, for seven years, and you know, I, and and I was born and raised in the Bay Area, and like the Bay Area is, it's just living here is is a it's a different universe. You know, um, you know, people can still you can still hire people in the Bay Area, uh, in in Japan for like equivalent eight to ten dollars an hour, and people work and they're okay with that, and and you can live and you can survive. There's, you know, social systems that, that are in place that, that mm. support people that, 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 that allow them to, to do that. And in the Bay, like, we don't have anything like that. I mean, you know, we, we, we've been looking for a dishwasher and we've been trying to find someone to hire for like $30 an hour and we can't find anybody. And so, I mean, when you break it, break it down into, to, you know, just labor it, itself, it's, it's an impossible number. Um, and when you want to make something that's craft, you know, say a bowl of our ramen takes two to three days, maybe from start to finish to put together. Right. If you're going to charge $15 for it, like literally per hour, what are you, what are you making? Like, really? <laughs> I mean, like, it's like, this is not the job that, that you're going to, you're, you're not going to be able to survive. You might as well just like quit before you even started because like, it doesn't add up. And that's what we realized early on is that, you know, you either have to go one way or the other. Either you take shortcuts and you scale, right? And or you go the other way and you you put your effort, your craft, your time, you focus into your product, and then you show something better. Um, and and you try to to make the experience better, and 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 you serve other things, and um, and you try to you try to get, give people a complete meal. And, and that's sort of the, the, the path that we ended up taking, you know, uh, that just fit our personalities better, you know, because we like to take our time and, you know, we, we take our time with the food, but uh, it, it, we also like to take our time with the, the people that, that come to enjoy the food. And so I think that's the other aspect of it, you know, um, but 
really yeah. it's it's so hard you know like i mean even even with what we're doing i don't know if it's 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 enough because things just keep going up and um you know man i've i've talked to my wife more times than she ever wants to hear about us moving back to japan and opening up a tiny little shop there and not having yeah. to worry about sort of this extra level of 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 logistics and you know uh, complications that we have to deal with just to survive here in the bay area so yeah oh man you know can you go, Alexis, uh, yeah. go yeah oh. go ahead Oh, sorry. I, and I didn't want to sidestep the question altogether. You know, the the list, uh, the caller asked for a recommendation. And, and this is, I guess I am yeah. sidestepping it in a way because this this ramen shop I'm going to talk about for a second. Also, you know, charges for, for the particular bowl of ramen I'm talking about, it's like $20, but it is like gigantic. Like it can feed like three people. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, but my favorite new ramen shop that I just discovered, um, in, in the past uh, few months is called uh, Ramen Champ. It's another, uh, Shotaro, uh, Shotaro client, uh, that's using the Asaya craft noodle. Um, but they serve uh, what's called Jiro style ramen, which I had never uh, had before, but I'd sort of heard about it. You know, like chef uh, chefs that I know had told me, oh, when you go to Japan, you've got to try this Jiro style. And we've been talking about a lot about soup and we've been talking a lot about noodles. But th this is like the toppings are so amazing <laughs> for mm. this style. Like uh, the Jiro style, like most places it's like, oh, the toppings are good or bad, but it's like basically the same toppings, like a lot of Bay Area ramen shops, right? So you've got the chashu, you've got like the egg, and that's basically what it is. Um, but the Jiro style at Ramen Champ, they call it the Buta Max um, is what they call it. It is topped with a mound of bean sprouts and cabbage that is so enormous <laughs> that you literally cannot see underneath it. Um, and then there's like a huge pile of chopped raw garlic and then another huge pile of like slow cooked, like soft pork fat. Um, and um, that's that's like the top. Oh, and, and it has it has the, the chashu pork, but it's cut like extra thick. So it's not like the thin slices mm. that you normally get. Um, so everything about it is like over the top. Um, but at the same time, it's like over the top, like you're eating like a lot of vegetables <laughs> um, and it's a show you broth. Um, they use the, like fat, thick noodles that um, that Asaya Craft Noodle makes that holds up to the to the soup because it takes you so long to eat it because it's such a huge portion. Um, but everything is still somehow balanced and goes together. Um, and, and it's just like for me was the most memorable bowl of noodles that I've had in the past several months. Keoko, I just wanted to bring you back into the in the conversation here too, because I feel like you've been you have been following this scene, you've been following the the discourse around ramen for for a while. You want to give us Rex? You want to give us sort of like your your take on this sort of um, how to think about ramen as a both elevated and kind of everyday food? Yeah, I think I think both conversations or both sides of the argument are valid, um, but I think to Clint's point it is very expensive to be in the Bay area. So it is, it's really hard with, you know, being a small business owner to, you know, shoulder all of the labor costs and the ingredients and, you know, just make it a fun dining experience, you know, in this post pandemic uh, society. I think that though, for um, you kind of have to travel a little bit if you're in the, um, in the San Francisco or the East Bay for a cheaper bowl of ramen 
um, just to answer the caller's question, I really like uh, in San Jose, they just opened a, a ramen shop called Hajime. And there you can, you know, I think they just increased their prices from like $8 to $9 for their base shoyu ramen. But, you know, different kind of noodle for different kind of soup, you know, a, a good selection. You're going to get some appetizers in there as well. Um, I love my daughter loves the karaage. Mm. So I think that, you know, if you travel a little bit and you're willing to explore, there's a lot of different options Um Every everywhere, you know, San Francisco, Japantown, and mm-hmm. um, something for everybody. Yeah, and we have had uh, a few different people um, shout out Ramen Gaijin in Sebastopol. Um, seems to be a, a big North Bay favorite, particularly the spicy Tan Tan, uh, somebody suggests. Uh, another one, um, speaking to the same idea of, of going different places, Hanabi in Burlingame, their Mayu ramens out of this world with a bone-in piece of pork on top of your black garlic tonkatsu uh, ramen. Another listener um, also wants to say, wants to shout out a Japanese ramen shop in in case people take this suggestion seriously that they should go to Japan and try the ramen. And that's the Kogashi Miso Ramen at Gogyo in Tokyo. Um, and they're curious why that style perhaps has not come to uh, to the U.S. Um, Luke, do you want to take us out on just you know your final recommendations, maybe for some place we haven't talked about um, in you know maybe on the Southeast Bay or something like that? Yeah, well, I mean, I think uh, the the place I just mentioned before, Ramen Champ, um, is is in San Jose. Um, I agree with um, Kayoko that I think at least here in the Bay Area, if you want to find sort of some of the more independent, um, idiosyncratic ramen shops, you know, places that are kind of doing their own personal style, you probably will have better luck looking in San Mateo um, or San Jose. You know, there's a bunch of great spots in San Mateo. I I like this spot called Ramen Parlor um, in in, uh, San Mateo, which is like in this like... It looks like it's in like an old uh, (laughs) diner that they converted into a ramen shop. Um, But I think I think there are great places, um, especially down there. Yeah. Yeah. This has been our latest edition of All You Can Eat with KQED Food Editor Luke Sai. We've been talking about Barrier Ramen with Clint Tan, founder and owner of Noodle in a Haystack, Shotaro Uchida, founder and owner of Isaiah Craft Noodle, and Kayoko Akabori, founder and owner of Umami Mart. Thank you all so much for joining us. This is Japanese punk band Shonen Knife and their song Ramen Rock. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for another hour of Form Ahead with Mina Kim. Funds for the production of KQED's Forum are provided by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, the Germanicos Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set ten years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. 
Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.